Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that I've grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this Super Bowl edition of Sports Business Radio. Great guests lined up for you this week. Peter O'Reilly, the Executive Vice President of Club Business and League Events for the NFL. He joins us annually to take us behind the scenes of the Super Bowl. This one's going to be different. 25,000 fans in attendance, not full capacity. They're doing it during a pandemic. Super Bowl week is not very many in-person events. Uh, Media Day was held virtually for the first time, so it's going to look pretty different. What's the Pepsi halftime show going to look like? We'll get all the ins and outs of Super Bowl 55 in Tampa from Peter O'Reilly, the executive from the NFL who oversees planning for Super Bowl. Jeff Atnella, our friend who's the goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers, he just wants to stop by and get some good karma for his Tampa Bay Bucks. He's a Tampa Bay native, a big Tampa Bay sports fan. And the last time he joined us on Sports Business Radio, the Portland Timbers went on to win the MLS's back cup. So he reached out to me and said, hey, I need some good karma for my Bucks. Can I come on for some good luck? So Jeff is going to stop by and give us a perspective from Tampa, where he is training right now for the upcoming MLS season. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? See, I just love that. I love that Jeff comes to us for the good karma for Tampa Bay. That's so fun. And Jeff's, Jeff's a great guy. I love Jeff. So uh, always fun to hear from him. And Peter, probably my favorite show of the year is Super Bowl uh, prep week because Peter just has so much fun knowledge to drop. Smart guy. He's so involved in so much of the Super Bowl uh, planning and how it goes on the TV and on the field. So excited for this show. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, if you are in event operations, I don't think there's a bigger job, maybe the Olympics, than planning the Super Bowl. So, you know, I love every year that we have Peter O'Reilly on to talk about Super Bowl. And then we have Joanne Scott on to talk about March Madness and Final Four. Those are two of the biggest events in the U.S. And we get a great behind the scenes look from those guests. So I know everyone's going to enjoy Peter this week. All right, Griggs, let's take a look at a few things with Super Bowl before we get to the interviews. Super Bowl 55 this Sunday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus Kansas City Chiefs. We know that this is the first time that the team playing in the host city has actually appeared in the Super Bowl. So that's a first. CBS has the broadcast. It's Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Griggs, I think this is going to be one of the most watched Super Bowls of all time. A, because we're in a pandemic and and more people are kind of tied to home. B, you've got two of the biggest names 
in sports, Tom Brady going for Super Bowl win number seven and Patrick Mahomes, really the future face of the NFL facing off in this game. CBS couldn't have asked for a better matchup. I totally agree. I think uh, it's going to be a fun game. You got the speed and just the young vibe of Kansas City, and then you got the GOAT on the other side and a great Tampa Bay team who's coached very well. Obviously, they can uh, play good football, so I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. I expect some high scoring, uh, some good plays, a lot of offense, but uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm picking KC coming out in the end. I'm going KC all the way. All right, we're going to get to our predictions later. You jumped the gun there a little bit, but uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to those at the end. Speaking of Brady and Mahomes, again, two just really super marketable athletes in the sports world. Tom Brady in 21 seasons in the NFL has earned over $260 million in on-field contracts. That doesn't count his endorsements, but guess what? The GOAT is upstaged by Patrick Mahomes. He signed a 10-year, $500 million contract with the Chiefs last year. Mahomes is also with... Uh, The Kansas City Royals is part of their ownership group. He's got a slew of endorsement deals from Adidas to Head and Shoulders to Sunglasses with Oakley, Bose Headphones, State Farm. You see him in those commercials all the time and uh, Direct TV. So, you know, Mahomes has more endorsements than Brady does, even though Brady's the GOAT and he's got a bigger contract. But uh, again, two of the most marketable athletes in sports facing off in this Super Bowl. Griggs. If you want a 30-second spot on CBS, they're already all sold out. They're selling for approximately $5.6 million. And as we always discuss on the show, that's just for the airtime. That's not for the production. That's not for what you pay the stars to be in your ad. That's just for the airtime, $5.6 million. So when you're watching these ads and 30 seconds goes by, that's an expensive proposition for companies. Yeah, you think about all the details that go involved, and say if you use a song from J Lo or The Weeknd in one of your in one of your commercials, that can go for half a million to a million, whatever that is, just for the fee to use the music. So I mean, you think about how quickly that five point six is going to add up to probably fifteen twenty million by the time they're done. Now, the thing that's going to be interesting this year is I don't think the typical Super Bowl ad is going to land with fans watching the game on TV. We're in a pandemic. Over 400,000 people have died. Like, there, this is a more serious tone than any other Super Bowl we've had. So it's interesting. Budweiser, they won't be advertising during the Super Bowl for the first time in 37 years. Instead, they're giving the money they might have spent on Super Bowl commercials to the Ad Council, which is an industry coalition that produces and places public service announcements. They're trying to help awareness for the benefits of getting the coronavirus vaccine. So I think we're going to see some of that where some of these companies are using their money and their platform for the greater good of the world and not to tout their product or sell their product. Yep. And Coca-Cola is not advertising. Hyundai, a couple other big names are not being a part of it. And I think that's cool. Like you said, with Budweiser giving it to the Ad Council, I expect we'll see quite a few COVID uh, slanted type, uh, you know, get your vaccine type PSA vibe. And I think it will be a, more of a, you know, not as humorous uh, in tone of commercials, but a little more serious, like you said, and uh, a lot of COVID friendly, COVID uh, advice and type stuff like that. 34% of fans who watch the Super Bowl tune in just to see the Super Bowl ad. So that's an interesting stat. The average ticket price to Super Bowl 55 on the secondary market. And keep in mind, you know, there's only a limited number of tickets because they're not filling the stadium, Raymond James Stadium to capacity. $6,000. 
as of this recording, is the average ticket price on the secondary market for the Super Bowl. You'll hear later, uh, is Jeff Atnella from the Timbers, is he going to pony up? Is he going to buy a ticket to the game? You'll hear that later. And then uh, Peter O'Reilly will give us the breakdown of that 25,000 tickets, which tickets are allotted, where there's going to be frontline workers and essential workers who have done such an amazing job during the last year, during the pandemic. They're going to make up uh, a good portion of the attendees. There's also, as you'll hear Peter discuss, there's going to be some Easter eggs in the audience. There's going to be a lot of those cutouts that we've seen at sporting events. So who are the cutouts going to be? Griggs, that's something to uh, keep an eye on. If we had been a little more on our toes, we should have worked with Peter to be cutouts in the in the stands at Raymond James Stadium. I would have taken that. And I think there'll probably be some prop bets for that too. You know, who's going to be in the front row as a cutout? <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, this is the most bet on event of the year. So we'll break that down uh, after the Super Bowl. How much was gambled on the Super Bowl? You know, we've always talked about the prop bets and the color of Gatorade. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of fun prop bets around this. The Pepsi halftime show. Again, we discussed this with Peter O'Reilly in our interview, but Griggs, the weekend who's performing, he spent $7 million of his own money to make the Super Bowl 55 halftime show what he envisioned this year. The Toronto native just wrapped up one of his best years in music history. Um, So the Pepsi halftime show, a lot of people always wonder, like, did that artist get paid? Did they not get paid? A few years ago, according to many sources, they stopped paying the Super Bowl artists. But this is amazing exposure for these artists. And last year's Super Bowl with J-Lo and Shakira, 103 million viewers, which is five times more than the 2020 Grammys. So if you're an artist like the weekend, the halftime show exposure is valued around $13 million. So it's a big, big platform and a big stage. And, you know, the weekend spending $7 million of his own money to chip in for the Super Bowl 55 halftime show. I'm interested to see what $7 million gets you. Yeah, I mean, The weekend is definitely an entertainer, so he's going to bring it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be big. You can guarantee that. And like you said, it's exposure. These guys, it's been proven the stats the last how many ever years, when these guys perform, their sales go through the roof the next year because you've got people that have never heard of them all of a sudden, oh, I like The weekend. I'm going to go download that song. And it's just huge for them. All right. Time for predictions before we get our interviews. Griggs, uh, give me your prediction. Well, I did I did kind of uh, speak a little too soon, but KC all the way. I just love their speed. I love the youthfulness. I think they're going to put up some points. I do think it's going to be a good game. I think it'll be close, but I, I'm going to give KC by a three-point win. Okay, what's the score? Score is going to be... Oh, that's a good question. I'm going to go 35 with an odd 32 score. <laughs> all right, this has been hard for me. I have stuck with the Bucs. If you listen to this show, I had the Bucs and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. So a lot of people thought I was crazy. They said there's no way the Bucs win three road games, including at New Orleans and at Green Bay, in order to even get to the Super Bowl. Tom Brady has won this game more than any other quarterback in the history of the NFL. He's got six of these rings, and they're playing at home. I also think that playing at home is going to be an advantage in this game because of the fact that you know the Chiefs are probably going to be flying in the day before. And not that they're not used to flying, but I just think it's going to be an advantage to be home in your own bed. All you have to do is drive to the stadium. You don't have to get on a plane or, or go anywhere. 
I also think, Griggs, that Tampa Bay has run the ball really well in the playoffs. And, and how do you beat Drew Brees and how do you beat Aaron Rodgers? You keep the ball away from them. So you've got to run the ball. You've got to work the clock. I'm going to go with the upset here. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks at home beat Kansas City. I think they find a way to run the ball, and I think they win. So Tampa Bay is getting three and a half points right now at most sports books. I would bet Tampa Bay and take the three and a half points. You've got the GOAT. You've got the home field advantage, and you've got three and a half points. So I'm going with Tampa Bay. I think they're going to win the game outright. I think it's going to be a really close game. But the key to this game is you got to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. And if they're able to do that, I think Tampa Bay finds a way to win this game. Yeah, that's, that's well said. And I think you, you, there are some good advantages there. The home field is not going to hurt them. And you've got the GOAT going for number seven. He is uh, masterful. And you're right, with Kareem Hunt and the crew running the ball, if they can do it and uh, keep the ball to Mahomes and keep that time possession, and then Brady can uh, win it with the arm, and you got it. So, I mean, it's, 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 a, good, it's a good take. It's a good take. I'll say that. All right. Coming up next, Peter O'Reilly, the executive vice president of club business and league events for the NFL. He's responsible for planning Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. He's going to take us behind the scenes. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. My guest is Peter O'Reilly. He is the executive vice president of club business and league events for the NFL you can follow him on Twitter at P.L. O'Reilly. He's in charge of the Super Bowl, the NFL Draft, the Pepsi Halftime Show. He's been on with us before. Peter, how are you? Doing well, Brian. How are you doing? Good to see I'm, you. Good to see you, too. Yeah, this is fun to do this uh, on video for once. We usually do audio only, so this is nice to see you as well. So what a year. We talked earlier in the year when you pulled off a very successful virtual NFL Draft, and now... Here we are in 2021, and we've got the Super Bowl in Tampa. It's Tampa Bay versus Kansas City. First time ever that the host city has actually had a team playing in the game. How has that affected preparations? Uh, it is, you know, this is the year where you kind of throw everything into the soup. So you might as well throw in the, the historic <laughs> element of the host team being in the in the game. So it's been um, it's been great. You know, obviously as we sit here. You know, heading into Super Bowl week, the uh, the energy down here in Tampa has been amazing. Um, this city has been an incredible partner, and you kind of now we're in the mode of you navigate. It is a it is a neutral site game, so you want to. And the Bucks are the home game home team is the NFC team, so you work through a lot of the equity pieces. What I would say is, what would have been the more challenging scenario, Brian, would have been the Bucks hosting an NFC championship game in the stadium. Mm. Um, and then even more so if we had gone to a scenario we had on the table of collapsing the off week between the, the championship games and the Super Bowl, that would have been an operational, a big operational challenge. Um, since the Bucks were able to make this journey on the road and then, uh, then come home to play in the Super Bowl, some of the operational pieces have been a little bit easier, um, but it's going to be exciting. The energy in here on Sunday is going to be off the charts. Explain to our audience quickly uh, how long, how much in advance does the NFL typically come in to take over the venue prior to Super Bowl? Sure. So we have, we really take over the venue, quote unquote, um, after the last event in here. So 
um, that's where the, the playoff home playoff games become challenging. So it was really after the bowl game in here was the last event. So really first couple of days of January, our team hits the ground across uh, the Tampa Bay region, including at the stadium and really start to build out the Super Bowl campus, which as you know, is a bit different than a, a traditional regular season game or even playoff game campus. So the compounds, the elements, everything that goes into the start of the build of the halftime uh, show and those pieces all start to ramp up in that early January period. Um, and now as we sit here, um, you know, in Super Bowl week, you're, uh, you're, you're pretty set to go as we head into the last few days. This one's going to look different. So I've read 22,000 fans. Can you break down that 22,000 for us, if you could? Sure. So in the bowl, you're right. We'll have about 22,000 in the bowl. 14,500 of those will be ticketed fans in physically distanced pods, similar to what you've seen at the stadiums across the league, including Raymond James, where we've had fans. So You'll have those those pods of fans, mostly twos and fours, some sixes, um, who will be spread out across the bowl. And then the balance of that 22,000 are the 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers uh, who we've invited as our guests to attend the game, um, either from the region or from around the country. So they will also be spread out um, and really staggered across the entire bowl. So if you come into a seat, you know, uh, with your friend or wife or husband or sitting in a pot of two, you'll have nobody sitting in front of you, nobody sitting behind you. And then in the row behind you would have someone uh, diagonally, a vaccinated healthcare worker. So kind of this, this patchwork across the stadium, uh, clearly, as has been the case all season, masks will be mandatory. We're providing KN95 masks to every single um, staff member and fan vaccinated or non-vaccinated. And as you know, that's a really um, effective mask on the, on the higher end of the available effective mask. So definitely distance. And then just the, the places where there are not fans will be fan cutouts. So um, you've seen that in different forms from the early days of sports in the pandemic, but we've worked with a lot of our key partners. So you'll see a lot of great youth football players, high school football players with their cutouts in there, um, uh, members of the military, veterans and others. So you'll see, um, you know, all the Super Bowl MVPs will have cutouts in there, all of our wow. players. So maybe some nice little Easter eggs of uh, celebrities. So um, when you turn on the Super Bowl, it will, uh, we hope it'll look very, very full and different, but full because the cutouts will fill in the gaps. Super Bowl week is such a big thing. We've talked about this in the past. You've got, you know, all the activations and, you know, obviously there's parties and uh, you've got your broadcast partner, CBS. We'll talk about them in a minute. This is going to be different. And I know media day is going to be virtual. And just tell us and our listeners how things will be different leading up to the game on Sunday. Yeah, it's definitely different. Um, no doubt about it, but we think still really special. And we've We've had core principles that have guided us really from the beginning, and, and it's been health and safety one, two, and three. So that's just driven every decision. You kind of run it through that filter. Um, and then it's been, let's get the core right. Let's get the game right, the, the participating teams, the stadium, the broadcast, as you mentioned. Um, and then let's see where we can innovate. Certain things just don't make sense to do, quite frankly. The parties, the hospitality, um, those things. They're just not happening this year. 
Um, and that's that's a shame because they they're a great part of the experience, but that's not the world we're living in. So we made as we went through the process, made those decisions, and then where we could go virtual. So you mentioned Super Bowl opening night, which is actually today, um, the media day element. That's all all virtual. So capturing that content, allowing uh, the wide swath of media to still ask their questions via platforms like this, um, allowing fans to ask questions, and still. You know, NFL Network and CBS and ESPN will have some great programming coming out of that. Um, or things like NFL Honors, which is our our night before Super Bowl big um, award show. A lot of special moments. That's more of a TV uh, property this year. It used to, it's usually a big theater event, red carpet. Um, so that's more TV based, but still will be incredibly special. Man of the Year, uh, Hall of Fame class, et cetera. Yeah, I love the NFL honors. I went a few years ago, uh, I think it was 2015 when it was in Arizona. And what a great job that you guys do with that event. And, you know, it's interesting, Peter, we talked earlier, NFL draft earlier in the year. You've pivoted beautifully. You've learned new technologies. And, and you know, I'm wondering, are there some of these things that are possibly best practices for the future that may stick around. You got such great reviews from the virtual draft from being able to see families in their house with their families react to getting drafted in that moment. And it was different than if they had walked across the stage and, uh, you know, been there in person. Yeah, I I would say definitely. Yes, Brian, there are pieces of everything. And I'm sure most organizations, sports and beyond feel this way, but there are really good pieces of what we had to pivot and do this year that are absolutely going to continue forward, whether that's the draft and the ability to bring uh, ourselves into more prospects homes and make it more personal and those things. Um, And Super Bowl is the same, you know, there's, there's going to be this virtual component. Hopefully we're back to a world where we can have the energy of radio row and all of that and the energy and, and sometimes chaos of, of media opening night. Um, but this, the reach of some of these virtual platforms and the accessibility of them, um, I think will absolutely pull through. And, you know, it goes down to how we plan these. I, I think that, you know, our trips, our travel, our trips down to Tampa were fewer this year. And I think it'll that'll carry forward. There are only certain things you need to absolutely be there in person to plan and see and touch and feel. The prep meetings, the debriefs afterwards, they all can be on platforms, video conference platforms. So I think some things are indelibly changed and I'd say probably indelibly changed for the better. All right, everyone's so fascinated by Super Bowl. It's the most watched event of the year around the world. Let's talk about some of the specifics of the game. Uh, National Anthem. You guys just put that information out, I think, today or or very recently. Who's singing the National Anthem? So we have a great uh, pairing. You know, they're very... Uh, rarely has there been a duet for the national anthem. You have to go back way back for a duet. So uh, the country music star Eric Church is going to be joined by the R&B star Jasmine Sullivan. So two very different voices coming together for a really powerful national anthem. And then just prior to that, uh, the incredible artist, Her, uh, will be performing America the Beautiful and um, I'll just, I'll just, uh, let your listeners know that I, I really, I always would say this and encourage people to tune in throughout CBS's pregame show all afternoon, but make sure you're in front of your television by five forty-five. I would say Eastern, 
there are a lot of special moments this year as you start to go through that last 45 minutes up until the game. Um, and I would say, Brian, that this is, this is again, hopefully always the case. The Super Bowl is a unifying moment and a positive moment that brings people together. Um, being very um, humble about our role overall, but I think we have the opportunity to create some really positive unifying moments that do bring people together, not only in those anthems, um, but also in some of the messages and, and moments that will be um, part of it. We, we teased out our, our great marketing team has a, has a spot that's going to feature Vince Lombardi and bringing back kind of what would Coach Lombardi tell us at a time like this? What words would he use um, during what still is a really challenging time? So some some interesting, uh, fun moments that I would encourage people to, to make sure they're in front of their sets on. Speaking of... Wonderful words. Uh, I hear that there's going to be a poet for the first time uh, prior to the Super Bowl. Tell us about that. Yeah, that one makes me smile um, for sure. Uh, Amanda Gorman, who is uh, was the first ever youth poet laureate and then became known to the broader world uh, during her during the President Biden's inauguration with her poem there, is going to. She has written a uh, a custom poem that she has is. Is, has read and we've recorded her, um, NFL Films has, they'll be used to introduce and tell the story of our three honorary captains, uh, three individuals who are just the best definition of a helper, um, an incredible uh, wounded warrior who's just rallied his community during the pandemic, um, an incredible educator out in California who is just bridging the digital divide, and then um, the ICU nurse manager down here at Tampa General, uh, Susie Dorner. So Amanda's poem will do that. And um, I will say, and I give credit to a woman named Katie Conklin on my on our team who brought uh, Amanda to our attention in early November uh, before wow. inauguration, before uh, Amanda knew she was doing anything for the inauguration. And we said, uh, look at this incredible young woman um, who could provide the words that, that, that hopefully bring to life how special these three heroes are. So um, many may think it was post-inauguration, let's get Amanda in here. Right. Um, this was an early November plan. You guys have a good scouting department for talent there. That's good. You know, we got to uh, got to get Katie signed up for some NFL scouting duties. So uh, the Pepsi halftime show, you guys have partnered with Rock Nation on this. The weekend is performing. That's always a huge part of the game. Last year, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira were absolutely outstanding and, and that had great reviews. Tell us about this year's Pepsi halftime show. We are incredibly excited, Brian, for this year's Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show. Um, the weekend is such a dynam dynamic artist with so many great hits. Um, and he and the team at Rock Nation, Jesse Collins, who is uh, the new uh, Super Bowl halftime producer with whom we're working, has just been tremendous. So um, clearly different in many ways because there has not been a live concert like this since the pandemic. So um, working through not only how to put on a football game and the Super Bowl safely, but how to put on a 12, 13-minute concert in the middle of it has been um, required a lot of really thoughtful work by the team. And I think it's going to be a really special show and a, and a show that um, uses different parts of the stadium in ways we maybe haven't in the past. 
um, and just a fun, upbeat, energetic show, which in some ways is what the country needs is just, you know, some fun and some energy. So um, really excited. And, and the, the weekend and his team have been great partners. CBS is the broadcast partner, uh, Tony, Romo, Tony Romo and Jim Nance. And, and I've even read where they're being uh, isolated from each other and literally won't meet up until they get into the booth. So uh, taking great precautions there. But the broadcast partner is such an important element of this, as we discussed earlier. This is the most watched TV event of the year in the United States and probably around the world. Yeah, no question. CBS is, uh, you know, such a great partner of ours, you know, and has such uh, great experience with Super Bowls on down the line and all of the roles. Um, There's such great uh, expertise there. So they've been with us every step of the way on how do we, again, bring this to life? You've seen it, you know, typically, um, and obviously Jim and Tony are, are best in class in terms of what they do. And, and to your point, CBS and all our partners have been really vigilant on their COVID protocols all season long. And that's, that is at the center of everything we're doing. But, you know, it's a different, it's a different setup here. Typically, you'd have sets down on the field and all of those things you would be, you know, up close there. We've really limited all season, but for Super Bowl as well, um, the number of personnel, what's on the field. So we've, we've moved things around, we've shifted them, but uh, they've got, you know, they are, they are pros and this is going to be a, a really special broadcast with Jim and Tony at the mic. Super Bowls are always must watch, but you've got Tom Brady, who's got six Super Bowl rings and you've got Patrick Mahomes, who's really the face of the league moving forward. Could you have even asked or dreamt of a better matchup? I mean, what a, what a great uh, opportunity for the NFL and for CBS. Yeah, there were so many permutations as you went through these playoffs where yeah. it was kind of, you couldn't go wrong almost. Um, but to land on this one where you have um, somebody who is now synonymous with Super Bowl in, in Tom Brady and an incredible surrounding cast around him, um, and then Patrick, who was – you know, in the game last year and as such, you know, both such incredible represent representatives of the league and then so many people and then two um, terrific veteran head coaches who lead very diverse staffs. Um, there's there's just such um, there's such great storylines everywhere you turn. We've got a few minutes left. Uh, anything else with the game itself? I always think it's interesting to hear about what does your day look like on Super Bowl Sunday? What are you doing? I always tell you to make sure to eat enough and drink enough, but give our listeners some semblance of what your schedule looks like on Super Bowl Sunday. And my mother always appreciates that, Brian. <laughs> um, so the the schedule is, you know, a lot of things the same and some things different. So we'll probably you know, get rolling around, you know, 5.30 or so on, on Sunday. Um, the process now has, has a new element that we haven't had before where you, you know, go down, we'll go through our health screening process, you know, at the hotel, we have that set up there, get cleared, temperature check. Um, uh, many of us across our broader team are tested daily. So we'll get the, the daily, um, daily COVID swab test um, and then head over to the stadium will do full walkthroughs of, of everything. Um, do that kind of one last check of everything inside and outside the building. Um, and then we'll hunker down 
in NFL control, which is kind of our nerve center where we've got cameras on every facet of the, uh, of the stadium and then run through the day. And it, it will be different, obviously a, a more limited capacity. Um, so it'll be different arrival patterns um, and some new elements. One thing I didn't mention is I mentioned the 75 vaccine, 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers, but uh, because all of those hospitality and tailgate and parties are not happening, the one thing we are doing is putting on a concert solely for those healthcare heroes, a celebration of them, um, and doing that pregame for them, a Miley Cyrus concert with some special oh, guests, wow. things. So that will be uh, that will be a lot of fun and. Um, you know, we always love what we do pregame and the hospitality, but this one has special meaning. The fact that these folks who have been on the front lines and will continue to be as they administer the vaccinations are able to get a little respite, a little joy and a chance to come together um, for a concert. And then the game as our guests, um, something that they haven't been able to do and, and really nobody has been able to do since March. So that to me is a huge, um, hopefully sign of what's to come as we come out the other side. All right. I know you have to go in a few minutes, future Super Bowls, Los Angeles next year, right? That's right. And then Phoenix the year after, Mm -hmm. do we know 2024 yet? We don't, we don't. So we, uh, the, the ownership voted to, uh, shift New Orleans, um, from Super Bowl 58 in 2024 to Super Bowl 59, Super Bowl 59 in 2025, because of a conflict with Mardi Gras, we knew this going into the process. As we, uh, in the next couple of years, will be shifting to a 17-game season and a, a one-week later Super Bowl, so the second Sunday in February, um, that required that. So we're in the process now of doing the analysis on Super Bowl 58 in 2024. But to your point, we got two really good ones in front of us, uh, Los Angeles in SoFi Stadium. Obviously, unfortunately, we're not able to host fans. So this will be the culmination next year of a first season of fans in SoFi at a Super Bowl there and then on to Arizona, which you know well, um, and a, uh, a tremendous stage there at State Farm Stadium and in Phoenix. And then last question, NFL draft coming up in April, Cleveland, correct? Cleveland. Yes. Okay. Gosh, Cleveland's going to be rocking for, for that. And do we, I mean, at this point, are you looking at in person or virtual or do we not know? We got to wait till we get closer. So we are like everything, obviously continuing to have conversations with public health authorities and our medical experts to determine what the right approach is. Um, But what I would say is we've got an incredible partner in the city of Cleveland and the Cleveland Browns and a great opportunity. Um, it may not be everything that we drew up when originally Cleveland uh, proposed their plan for the draft, but we are, we are confident as we sit here that we'll be able to do something um, significant in Cleveland um, to bring the draft to life. And like I said before, I think inevitably we'll take, it will be the, the best of hybrid, if you will. Some of those elements from the virtual draft that were really powerful um, and then again, pending uh, medical sign-off, the ability to bring um, people together, um, at least vaccinated people for sure, uh, for a uh, for an in-person event to, uh, to to have the 2021 draft. Peter O'Reilly, Executive Vice President, Club Business and League Events for the NFL. Follow him on Twitter at P L O'Reilly. Peter, 
Thanks again for joining us for our annual conversation. Good luck to you this weekend. And I think it's going to be great. Thanks for having me again, Brian. Always enjoy it and uh, enjoy the Super Bowl, uh, you and everybody. Thank you. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. All right. A few months ago, Jeff Atanella, who is the goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers, the author of the children's books, It Had to Be Told, came on with me. And then lo and behold, the Portland Timbers went on and won the MLS's back cup in Orlando. Jeff is a Tampa native, huge Tampa Bay Bucks fan. He wanted to come back on to try and get some good karma as the Bucks take on the Chiefs this Sunday in the Super Bowl. Jeff, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. And, you know, I appreciate you having me on because I know that you're a busy man. I know you got a lot of good interviews going, but to let, let a Bucks fan come on for some good <laughs> karma, just, you know, it speaks to how nice of a guy you are to me. So I appreciate that. No problem. Uh, I wanted to say I was reading your uh, your website for your books. It had to be told dot com. So people should check that out. And then Jeff is on Twitter at Jeff underscore at Nella one. Um, yeah, gosh, I, I think the Bucks have a really legitimate chance here. Uh, you probably haven't listened, but uh, at the beginning of the playoffs, this is the matchup I picked. And a lot of people thought it was crazy. They said, there's no way Tampa Bay goes on the road and beats Washington. And then, uh, you know, New Orleans and Green Bay, like they'd have to be road warriors to get to the Super Bowl. And they did. And, and Tom Brady is a darn good quarterback and they've got a good roster. And I think Bruce Arians is a good coach. And I think anyone who sleeps on them in this game, I wouldn't sleep on the goat. You can't sleep on the goat. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I was pretty optimistic because they got rolling after their late bye week. And, you know, you can kind of see the offense coming together. But once they beat the Saints, I felt pretty confident that there was no turning back. So at first, you know, when you get that two week delay for the Super Bowl, so you watch the Chiefs and, you know, everyone's talking about the last time they played. So it gets you a little bit nervous. But as you know, a week out from this game, I'm I'm feeling pretty comfortable and pretty you know confident that the Bucks are going to at least like keep it close. And then for me, if Tom Brady has the ball in his hands at the end of the game, then as Bucks fans or as football fans, that's all that we can ask for because he's been there, what, nine times before? So there's nobody else that you want being your quarterback for this situation. At least that's how I feel about it. No, I agree. And and I think one of the ways that they beat the Packers is you got to try and keep the ball out of the other team's hands. And that's the same thing here with Patrick Mahomes and that high-powered Chiefs offense is you've got to run the ball. You've got to keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. And I think that Tampa has the ability to do that with uh, Leonard Fournette and their ground game. And then the other thing is that I think is really big this year is the home field advantage. It's the first time in 55 Super Bowls that the host city has a team playing in the Super Bowl. And, you know, according to a lot of reports, Kansas City's not coming in till the day before. So the fact that Tampa is in their home market, they sleep in their own beds, and they only have to drive to the stadium. I think that's a big advantage for them. I think so. I hope so. You know, I'm I'm fortunate that I'm down here. So I've been down here in Tampa, you know, for our off season. So I'm kind of enjoying the hype and I'm kind of living through it myself. And, you know, when you're driving, if you're a Bucks player, you're driving everywhere. And there's been Super Bowl banners up for weeks. So, you know, I think that having the banners up around the city, seeing all the posters and seeing all the, you know, all the setup going on when they're still marching through the playoffs it had to act as some form of motivation to get back to this game. And, you know, it's been a, uh, it's been a really fun experience for me to be down here in Tampa. And you, 
you know, like you say, the home field advantage, hopefully it's a big thing. And I know there's going to be a lot of Bucks fans because I know a lot of the healthcare workers are from Tampa. So, you know, you're hoping that you're going to get that home field advantage, that they're comfortable, that they're feeling good. And I just couldn't even imagine a world where the Bucks could be the first team to, you know, host the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl in their own stadium. So I'm counting, you know, I'm crossing my fingers and I'm not trying to jinx it a little bit, which is why I'm happy to be coming on to this show <laughs> for some good juju. But, you know, it's, it's something that's big for the city of Tampa and, you know, along with the Lightning winning the Stanley Cup and then uh, the Rays going to the World Series. I've been waiting for the year that Tampa explodes onto the sports scene. And I think the GOAT coming down here and if they could pull it off, especially in the hometown, it'll be just huge for the city of Tampa, which, you know, for me is everything. All right. Only 22,000 fans at the game. Average ticket price on the secondary market is $6,000. Anywhere in the world that you find your way into Raymond James Stadium to watch this game in person. You know, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm watching. I watch, I watch the ticket prices every day. They're starting to slowly drop a little bit lower. They're starting to lo- slowly drop a little bit lower. You know, I, at first it was like $10,000 for the top, top seat <laughs> in the entire stadium. And I couldn't justify that one. But as these ticket prices keep dropping and I'm hoping maybe it'll be a last minute day of game decision. But, you know, I feel like I need to be there. But if not, it'll be fun to be in the city and at least, you know, be able to watch it, watch it with my family and, you know, if they win, celebrate safely down at the Riverwalk. What's the uh, retail price that you need on a ticket? What does it need to drop down to in order for you to justify? All right, I'm in. I mean, personally, I could justify just about anything. I think it's getting it. I think it's passing it over with the rest of the <laughs> <laughs> You know, if it was up, if it was up to me, there would be no limit. But you know, there's there's college to pay for. There's different things. Uh, there's different things that you need to pay for in life. And when you become a family man, so. So we'll see. I'm not going to air out. I'm not going to air out that laundry, but the prices are getting lower and you know, it's making things a little bit more possible on my end. Well, I hope you get to go. I think it's neat when, uh, you know, you're a fan of a team, especially if you're another pro athlete, like, you know, you, you know what it takes to be an elite athlete and, you know, the appreciation you have for your city and for the Bucks and for the Super Bowl in your hometown, that doesn't happen every day. And it's something you would remember your entire life. So personally, I hope there's a way that you can find your way to the game in person. I think it's something you would remember forever. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm excited about it, too. And, you know, like I said, it's uh, for me, sports and everything. It's about it's about your family. I mean, that's why I wrote the children's books as well. For me, you know, sports is about creating memories with your favorite teams uh, you know, doing good in the city and especially, you know, for the city of Tampa, where I'm from, Tampa's given a lot to me. So I'm excited to be a fan. I'm excited to always give back to the city. And, you know, if I, uh, if I have to watch the Super Bowl at home with my family in the hometown while the hometown team is playing in it, that's not the worst thing either. Obviously I'd like to be at the game, but you know, for me, it's all good. It's all gravy and the Bucks are in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's their quarterback and things are looking, <laughs> things are looking pretty good. How does this compare to when the Bucs were in the Super Bowl with John Gruden? Is it more exciting, same? I mean, you got the goat there. What's the environment like compared to when the Bucs got to the Super Bowl before? I think with the Bucs before, you know, that was kind of a long time coming. You know, the the Tony the Tony Dungy Bucks were, they were always on the cusp, right? You know, they had the good defense. They had the team that was always consistently making the playoffs. They just couldn't really get over the hump. And then when Gruden came in, you know, he changed up the offense and he brought that little bit of extra juice. And, you know, it finally got us there, something that was building up for a long time. But for me this year, obviously, I'm a little bit older, so I can appreciate a little bit more. But this just came out of nowhere. You know, we were a, we were a sub 500 team 
Not really sure what they're going to do at quarterback. The defense looked okay. We knew that we had some weapons, but we weren't we weren't Super Bowl contenders. And then the second that Tom Brady announces that he's coming down here, it just immediately flips the narrative. So it goes from, you know, we were this good team back in the day that just couldn't get over the hump and we finally got there. But now it was almost just like flick of a switch where the talk of the entire league, where the talk of, you know, sports everywhere, because that's what Tom Brady does to a city and that's what Tom Brady does to a team. So for me, this year has just been a crazy rush. And so for me, it's a lot more exciting because it just went from, you know, zero to 60 really fast. And like I said, they've been on national TV every week. They're always talking about Tom Brady. So for me, it's just been this year. It's just been so much excitement in this span of a season. You are an elite athlete, goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers. How much do you marvel at the way that Tom Brady and LeBron James have kept themselves in shape in the later stages of their career? Man, it's so impressive. It's so impressive, Brian. I've, you know, when Tom Brady, I didn't know too much about him. Obviously, you know, I had a children's book about him, but I didn't do too much research about him personally. And when he came to the Bucks, I just wanted to learn to see how he was still doing it. And the the sacrifice and the dedication to his job and taking care of his body to make sure that he's performing at such an elite level at his age. I mean, it's just the commitment level and the dedication is, you know, it's no surprise that LeBron James and Tom Brady are the best at what they do. And they continue to be because their dedication and, you know, their mental toughness and their sacrifice is just off the charts. So it's, you know, as an athlete, it's something that everybody should be looking up to. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't start exploring this TB12 diet a little bit because, <laughs> because, I mean, whatever he's doing, whatever he's selling, you know, for if he's the example of what it is, then, you know, it's clearly working. And it's just so impressive. And, you know, it's just been a really fun thing to follow him so closely because I don't think that until he came to the Bucks, I didn't really appreciate what, you know, what he is and, you know, what he really does to make sure that he's playing at an elite level. All right, before I let you go, MLS season is going to be here before we know it. It starts in March, right? Yeah, it's supposed to be the first weekend of April. Oh, first weekend, first of, weekend okay. of April. So you said you're in Tampa. How are you preparing? And I know, isn't there uh, discussions going on? I won't ask you for details, but aren't there discussions going on with the Players Union and the league right now about a new CBA? Yeah, yep. So there's discussions going on. We're trying to get things ironed out the best that we can. Obviously, you know, those things, you know, how those things go in the sports world. There's a, you know, you got to meet somewhere in the middle. So we're hoping that we can, as a players union, we're hoping that we can get something settled so we can get a season going. And, you know, for me down here in Florida, I'm pretty fortunate that the weather has been nice. And that's a big part of the reason why I'm still down here, because it gives me the ability to train, to train outside, to, you know, play the sport and actually do the sport instead of just running on a treadmill. So I've been playing, you know, training with some of the guys that, have trained me my whole life. And then I've gotten super into Peloton. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a Peloton cult member to the max. So, so you got to text me your, uh, your Peloton handle. Cause I'm addicted to Peloton as well. So we can follow each other on there. Oh man, it's easy. I'll tell everybody Jay Atanella, come, come ride with me. I love it. <laughs> I love, I love Peloton. It's been, you know, for me, it's been a great thing for, you know, even through this quarantine process, it's just been a great thing to you know, work out at home and have that available. So who are your so instructors on the Peloton and doing some training, training with some old goalie coaches and just staying ready as best as I can. Who are your instructors on Peloton? Who are your go-tos? I change it up. I like Alex. Alex is awesome. He's yes. good for a good ride. I like, uh, I like Kendall. Kendall crushes me every time. Yeah. Tindy crushes me every time. 
Um, I'm trying to think. Cody Rigsby is hilarious. I like. Oh Cody my god, Rigsby Cody's well. so funny. I like uh, Emma Lovewell. Yeah, me too. She's like, she's mellow. She has good music, like good '90s music. I'm just big on the music selection. Yeah, I'm not big on the instructors. It's like if you have a good music playlist, then I'm in. Yeah, she used to be a DJ, so uh, she's got a really good selection of of music. So I like her, but yeah, I like Kendall. Uh, Alex and his last dance ride. If you haven't done that from the documentary, the last dance with Michael Jordan, great ride with that playlist from the documentary. And then, yeah, Cody, if I had one wish for any of the instructors, Cody has to meet Britney Spears at some point because he is such a big Britney (laughs) Spears fan. Like he's as into Britney Spears as you are into Tampa sports. So that needs to happen at some point. He's always funny too. Cause he's always, uh, he, I forget who it is, but he's always loving the one guy from NSYNC more than Justin Timberlake, which like <laughs> yeah. for me, I only remember Justin Timberlake. So he's always pretty funny with that. Yeah. But yeah, no, I've just been, that's funny, man. I like the, yeah, I like the Peloton. I'm all in. I didn't think I would be. I bought it for my wife, but now, you know, I'm on it every day. Yeah, that's good. Um, all right. Before I let you go, what's the prediction for the outcome of the game? I mean, I know you're picking the box, but what's the score? How does this game play out? You know, man, so many people have been asking me this and I haven't been given a prediction. Maybe I should be given a prediction, but I'm not going to give a prediction just because I just want to enjoy the game. You know, obviously I'm rooting for the Bucks, but, you know, no prediction, no prediction for me. Just enjoying the game and trying to enjoy the moment. Week 12 when they met, wasn't it 27-24 Chiefs, right? Yeah, it was a close game too. I mean, it, the Chiefs got up. I think Tyreek Hill had like 600 yards in the first quarter and then <laughs> the Bucks started to play catch up. But I hopefully I think the defense is ready to play a little bit more. I mean, they're gelling a lot better than they were before. I think it'll be a good game. I think it's going to be a really good Super Bowl. At least I'm hopeful. So so that's all I'm saying. Good game. You know, hope the Bucks win. But as far as a prediction goes, I'm going to avoid that for a little bit. All right. Jeff Atnella, goalkeeper for the Portland Timbers. Follow him on Twitter at Jeff underscore Atnella one. Uh, his website is it had to be told dot com for the children's books that he writes and then would you say on Peloton, Jay Atanella, that's what your handle is on Peloton if anyone wants to ride with you? Yep, Jay Atanella, just come. You know, I, I just set my PR the other day, so more than, will, more than willing to accept challengers. Okay, get me. I'll be following you uh, very soon. And look, I hope you get to go to the game in person. I think it's really cool that, uh, you know, the game's there in Tampa. And I hope I bring you the same level of success and, and luck as you had when you joined me last time and you guys won the MLS's back cup in Orlando. Hey, as I said, I appreciate the good juju, my friend. I appreciate you having me on. You're listening to sports business radio. We'll be right back. Well, that's it for this edition of sports business radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka sports for powering sports business radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.